Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. All right, Acts chapter 16. And our text this morning is going to be verses 3 through 5. But let's go back to verse 1 of 16. Then Paul came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily." Father, we thank you and praise you that we're gathering again. We thank you for our leaders and we do pray for wisdom. Uh, We know that you have placed them there for this time, as the word says, you ordain. And even though we might not understand, we understand that you know what you're doing. And so we just intercede on their behalf. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, specifically around our leaders, the nation, the state, here in Queen Creek, that you would give them boldness to proclaim the truth via the word of God, that they'd pray, that they would proclaim Jesus as the only way of salvation. Father, we pray for the morning. I pray for the gift of teaching. And Lord, that we would be encouraged in our walk with you as we see certain things happening that must happen according to your word. They must come to pass. It's grieving. Yet it has to happen. So give us strength. Give us endurance. Give us long-suffering, those attributes that you have, that we can have through the Holy Spirit as well. I pray for the gift of teaching. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the last time we were together in Acts, we, we saw two men who had two different visions for the ministry. You know, Barnabas desired to include his nephew John Mark, and Paul insisted that he shouldn't go with them on their second missionary journey. We discussed that. You can get that in a previous study. The decision to separate could be seen as a win for our spiritual enemy, but as we noted in our last study, they loved each other, and they both went on to have effective ministries. Even to this day, it's a great example for us, because not everyone is going to agree on how to do ministry, or who should be involved in ministry. But what we should agree on is that ministry needs to take place. You see, when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our ministries, and whatever that looks like, and you know, for me, obviously I'm talking about the church here, but you all should have a ministry. In your workplace, when I was at Motorola, that was one of my ministries, being a light to those who didn't know Jesus, in our neighborhoods, in our family members. That's a ministry, and sometimes we forget that. We just think of ministry, well, you know, it's Sunday morning, and that's the pastor's job. That's what we pay him for. (laughs) No, no, I have other ministry besides Sunday morning throughout the week, and so do you. 
So we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our ministries, whatever that looks like for you, via the word of, whole word of God. The Holy Spirit will bring unity even in the midst of disagreements. And this will happen even in a home setting when I think of our children and even now disciplining our grandchildren. When we take them back to the word of God and have them memorize specific scriptures, it brings unity. Because now it's just not Papa and Grandma saying what we have to do, the do's and don'ts. No, it's the word of God and how to love and respect and honor each other. So we always want to go back to the word of God. You see, Paul and Barnabas didn't compromise on the word of God. They learned to serve God in different locations with the same purpose. What's the purpose for you and I? To see sinners come to the saving knowledge of their need for a savior. You see, everybody needs a savior. Right now, what are, who are most people looking to to be their savior this morning? The little G government, which has become a little God. Well, if we just get another check from the government, if we just get relief from the government, if we get this, if we get that, everything will be fine. What about the big G? What about turning to God? And that's why you're here, because you have turned to God. But we have to take that out to a world that doesn't know the big G. They're going to continue to look to the government to solve all their problems. And if the government doesn't solve their problems, then we'll vote somebody else in who says they will solve the problems and they're going to find out like we have over the last how many hundreds of years when you get your eyes on man or a woman, they're going to fail you. That's just reality. We've got to keep our eyes on God. We have to keep our eyes on God. You see, and that Savior was, is, and forever will be Jesus. And, and I think most of you have this memorized, but if not, I encourage you to memorize this verse because this is a verse that, that says it all. And faith comes by what? According to the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. So as we go out and share into the world, we can argue politics, but it's best just to quote the word of God. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, no one, this is Jesus speaking, no one comes to the Father except through me. So as we look at our verses three through five here, Paul decides to have, have Titus join him on his second missionary journey. And they are off strengthening the churches that were established on Paul's first missionary journey. And as they came to Lystra, he had heard about a young man who was found faithful by the churches in that area. And again, we went over that last time. If you weren't here, you can get the CD. His name was Timothy. He was active in the ministry, and he was producing fruit of salvation, not fruit for salvation. Religion will teach you have to produce fruit in order to gain salvation. Not biblical. He was producing fruit of salvation. So Paul desired him to join the team, which Timothy did. And again, this leads us to our text. Paul wanted to have him go on with him. And Paul took Timothy and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. What was one of the first things that Paul asked Timothy to do? <laughs> he asked him to be circumcised. Hello, he's not a baby here. <laughs> he's a young man. And isn't that kind of a strange request when you think about it? I mean, doesn't this go against the good news that Paul has been spreading throughout the Christian churches about not having to come under the law and to be circumcised? 
you know, it would appear on the surface to be that way. And so let's dig a little bit. See, Timothy was a Jew and not a Gentile. So you want to keep that in mind as we go over these verses. Timothy was a Jew and not a Gentile. The issue of circumcision came about because of the Gentile believers that Paul was ministering to. Paul was called to the Gentiles. But he was also going to continue to minister to the Jews. So he didn't want there to be an offense which would hinder the gospel as far as ministering to the Jews would go. Just kind of keep that in mind. We're going to get to some very specific scriptures that will explain that. You see, those Jews in that area knew that Timothy had a Gentile father. And again, Timothy was a young man who had a free will. So Paul asked him if he would agree to be circumcised. Timothy agreed. And this started a deep spiritual friendship between Paul and Timothy. So deep that Timothy would remain connected to Paul throughout the rest of Paul's life. It was to Timothy that Paul wrote his final letter to just before being martyred. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. 20 through 22, in the, written in the early 60s, the original 60s. And we see a depth of the friendship as well as a disciple in Timothy. The depth of a friendship as well as a disciple. Philippians 2 says this, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. Paul is speaking of Timothy. I mean, what a compliment to be able to say this to another individual. Um, I firmly believe this when we go on vacation or if we go off to ministry. I have no concerns about this church. It is such a privilege. Uh, Pastor Al, Pastor Durrell, Matt, Joseph, Cheryl, I have no concerns whatsoever because they love you guys just as much, if not more, than I do. Praise God. That's what it's all about. That's what discipleship is all about. For all seek their own. Notice this. Does this sound like America? For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. You see, you're here this morning because you're seeking God, and you're seeking, how can I serve God better? How can I become more like Jesus? Guys, you are unique. 330 million Americans. Think how many Americans are actually doing what you're doing this morning. It is a very, very small percentage, unfortunately, which means that we have a big mission field to go out to, fortunately. And so, but you know his uh, proven character. Notice that. But you know his proven character. In other words, be a fruit inspector. Be a fruit inspector. That as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And you see, I only have so many minutes, and and it's changed this last few months, right? Now I have 30 minutes instead of 40 to 45 to disciple you. I look at this as a disciple relationship. And so you have an opportunity to take on a commitment, and then you have an opportunity, as we're going to get to later on, to disciple someone else. It doesn't end just here. This is where you're being fed so that you can turn around and feed somebody else, but you're also feeding yourself throughout the week. You're not just waiting for a Sunday morning. You're having your own private devotionals throughout the week. Timothy's commitment was the beginning of a lifelong friendship with Paul. 
And why does Timothy consent to Paul's request? I believe that Paul shared with Timothy his great love towards and for his own people. Let's look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Paul shared with Timothy his great love towards and for his own people. And that would be the Jewish people. Brethren in Romans 10. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, so not just one person, but for the whole nation, for every Jew, whether they're in the land of Israel or not, is that they may be saved. Notice that heart there. And I'd venture to say that you have that heart towards your family members or toward your neighbors or toward your coworkers. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. And remember who's writing this, Paul, who was Saul, who was a Pharisee, who had a zeal towards God himself, who actually thought he was doing God's service by killing Christians. But he's acknowledging, I didn't have knowledge of the word. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Religion right there, guys. As we go out into a world that is dominated by religious people, that's just fact. Now, they might not be actively practicing what their religious teaches them to practice, but they go to church every week. They punch the clock because they want to be loved by God. They want to go to heaven. And if I'm good enough, well, I'm not that bad. So if I'm good enough, I'll get to go to heaven. No, they're not submitting to the righteousness of God, which is salvation through Jesus. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Turn to your left, or maybe you don't even have to turn, Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. This is incredible what Paul says here. And it tells us the depth of love that he has for his Jewish people. I tell the truth in Christ, I am not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed. I love my own people so much that if I was cursed, if I was banished from God, banished from heaven, and they could all be saved, I would do that. That's a serious love, guys. For my brother, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. They had the word of God. That's why Paul would always go to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. But he became the apostle to the Gentiles. But he was also still longing for the Jews. He didn't forsake the Jews. None of this replacement theology nonsense. The church didn't replace the Jews. No, God still loves the Jews and the Gentiles to this very day. Verse 5, Of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came. He was a Jew. He was born into a Jewish family. Who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. And again, we're laying this out that Paul desired to reach his fellow Jews with the message of being set free from the law of works and accept the finished work of Jesus, the cross, by faith. 
through grace. So again, why ask Timothy to become circumcised? Well, I believe we find the answer here in 1 Corinthians 9. Paul writes, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. Notice that selfless state right there. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law as under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law as without law. Not being without law towards God, but under law towards Christ that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Notice that, save some. But this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. You see, Paul's love ran deep but he didn't compromise. And this is unfortunately what the church in America is doing today and around the world. He didn't compromise in that love. In Galatians, we read about a Gentile named Titus. In Galatians 2, 3, but neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek or being a Jew, was compelled to be circumcised. Titus was a Gentile, so the Jews wouldn't have listened to him anyways. And to this day, a religious Jew will not listen to a Gentile. Even though I love the Old Testament, I read the Old Testament, I can quote the Old Testament to them, they will not even listen to me because I am a Gentile. You're of no value. So Paul didn't encourage Titus to take on that outward expression of being a Jew by becoming circumcised. But since Timothy was a Jew... It was important from the Jewish perspective to be circumcised. Here's the bottom line. Paul is not taking anyone back to the law. So as you read that verse, you could think, man, he's taking Timothy back to the law. But he's looking at the ministry and how Timothy could best serve in that ministry. And that's why I took that time to, to blend those various scriptures together. Paul is not compromised. Paul is not going back to the law. In his wisdom, in his age, in his wisdom, he's realizing, no, Timothy, this is going to be best for you. It's going to hurt for now. Love will sacrifice the flesh for the spiritual growth of others. And that's applicable for you and I as well. Again, not to compromise. It's still very applicable and practical today. You see, when a missionary goes out to another land, they try to learn and adapt their lifestyle to take on the culture of that country. They don't try to make them become Americans in India. At least they shouldn't. Maybe some do, but they shouldn't. Most, if they're truly sent by God, will try to learn the language, will try to learn the country, will adapt to that culture, and they will, by being with them and living amongst them, will offer them the free love of Jesus to become a disciple of Jesus, to become more like him. Don't become American, Become more like Jesus. Become more like Jesus. And a good missionary, a really good missionary, will find and raise up nationals so that they can leave and turn the ministry over to the nationals. That's a really good, solid missionary. Now, they may remain there forever, but they eventually turn the ministry over to those who reside in that place. What about my workplace? What about you? 
I should pray about going to a certain, certain functions to be able to minister to my coworkers. Again, when I was at Motorola, we would have company picnics. I would go to those company picnics. I'd be in prayer. Lord, give me opportunity. Now we're not in the workplace. Now we're not punching the clock. Now we're out in the park. It's free to talk about Jesus because we're on our own time. Father, give me opportunity. But never compromising because they asked me to do other things off work hours that were totally inappropriate. I said, no, no thanks. Not going to do that. So we don't compromise. We need to be in prayer and we need to rub elbows with them so that they can see Jesus. You see, Paul and Timothy didn't compromise their faith, but rather used the freedom of their faith to possibly win others to Christ. So important for you and I. And as we look at the big picture of the situation, we see that Paul took a young man under his wing and discipled him in the faith. That's the key, and that's what I really want to zero on here this morning. It's a key principle, and it needs to be a key principle even to this day for you and I. Paul knew what this looked like because he once had become a disciple of a Jewish rabbi named Gamaliel. He was disciplined, he was discipled in the Jewish faith and the practice that had to be adhered to. Paul slash Saul was such a good disciple that in his own words he became a Pharisee of the Pharisees. So a couple questions. How can we apply this principle to our lives today? How can we see verse 5 living out even in amongst our fellowship? As we leave those questions up there, I'll read verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Very important principle, guys, for you and I. The churches were strengthened in the faith. They were not strengthened in a political party. They're not strengthened in a human leader. Follow so-and-so. They'll save you. They'll help you. They'll get you through all things. No, we do need leaders. We do need one another, but we need to keep pointing people to Jesus. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. You see, by becoming a serious disciple of Jesus, not just in name, but in practice. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but you need to ask yourself those questions. Am I a disciple? I think if you ask a, a Christian, are you a disciple of Jesus? They always say, oh yes, I'm a disciple of Jesus because I'm a Christian. If I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple. If I'm a disciple, I'm a Christian. They're unchangeable, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But are you truly becoming a disciple? Like the first disciples where they came in with a certain mentality, including a zealot. Jesus brought a zealot into the group. That's like bringing ISIS into the group. He wanted to kill every Roman he could. But through watching Jesus and listening to Jesus' teachings, he became a believer and then he wanted to save every Roman he could and every Jew and every Gentile. You see, it was looking to Jesus that transformed his heart. The government, no person can transform a heart, but God can transform a heart. You see, this will take time. It will take dying to self and truly putting the word of God first. Not just saying, I'm a disciple of Christ, but actually becoming one. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16 as we get ready to wrap it up. But actually becoming one and following after the greatest rabbi that ever lived, Jesus of Nazareth. 
That's who we want to become like. But we do need to be discipled, and we do need to be discipling others. That's part of our process, women discipling women, women being discipled by women, and men, men. That's why we have Tuesday night Bible studies and Wednesday night Bible study and all these various groups, small groups and home studies so that we can disciple one another, be trained, and bring other people into the process. Matthew 16 says this, And Jesus said to his disciples, Another gospel says that there are others gathered around as well as disciples. So, you know, in Matthew, we see just the disciples. That's why you want to read the whole counsel of God. But there were others gathered as well. So a large group of people heard this, but only a few took it to heart. And as I mentioned earlier, is America lacking for hearing the word of God? Are there radio stations in almost every single city in America that hear, could hear the word of God? Is there a TV station on that almost every single American could hear the word of God? There's really not a lack of ability to hear the word of God. Yet, how, why are there only so few disciples? We have to surrender our lives, as Jesus says here. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Ouch. We're not raised that way. We are not raised that way. And take up his cross and follow me. And I personally equate the cross here as the flesh. The flesh. I have to die. I have to die. I have to nail my flesh to the cross. And do what? Follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man or a woman if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man, Jesus, will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Remember earlier on in Matthew, Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven. So for you and I, we're to be disciples, we're to die to self, we're to, to crucify the flesh, and we're to follow after Jesus, but bring somebody with us. Be discipled, but also disciple somebody. You see, Jesus is coming back. The signs of Revelation 13 are coming into place very quickly. I personally believe, due to the agenda that is in place, it looks like our economy will be destroyed. And a one-world economy will come into place. Most believers never thought this could happen. Or that it is going to happen. But here it is, it's knocking at our door. It has to happen. It's grieving. I'm with you. It is grieving. But it has to happen. Because the word of God says there will be a one-world government. There will be a one-world monetary system. There will be a one-world religion. There will be, not a might, not after I die. No, there will be right on time. And guys, we're seeing it. We're seeing, this is a real virus. But there's no way that this virus should be destroying our economy. There's a bigger plan in place. And the enemy wants to destroy our economy, to bring us down, to get us to that one world economy. Hmm. We need to take it to heart to disciple someone while we have the time and be discipled. And let's go back to those verses, Philippians 2, 20 through 22, and read them again. 
And think this just about yourself. Nobody else, just think this about yourself and your walk with Jesus. I have no one like-minded. I have no one like-minded. Are you like-minded? Are you focused on Jesus? Are you really focused on Jesus or, or are we possibly getting caught up in politics or possibly getting caught up in conspiracy theories or possibly getting caught up in our own 401k, our own retirement? Um, I've worked, I was thinking about it the other day as I was thinking about this. I've worked for 40, 45, 47 years. Many of you can work longer than that. And it's like, man, I would, I would love to be able to retire and kick back and kind of enjoy all that hard work. So it's, it's disappointing to me, guys, to say this stuff. But I'd rather see Jesus. And I'd rather be living in this time we're at because, guys, we're seeing biblical prophecy being fulfilled. It's just like when Jesus went to the cross. What was his disciples saying? You're not going to the cross. We'll, we'll protect you. Come on, you guys. You don't have a clue. I have to go to the cross. And many in Christianity today are saying the same thing. Oh, no, our economy is going to come back. Oh, no, America is going to come back. Oh, no, we're going to go on. Okay, if we do, we do, fine. But you better be ready for if it doesn't because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for a bride who will sincerely care for your state. We've got to be caring for one another as we're doing even now with our meet and greet and in all aspects that we have been for years. But we've got to continue that on. You know, shelter in place, now what are they finding out? You know, originally it was like, well, if everybody just shelters in place for two weeks, everything will be fine, everybody will make it, everybody will survive. And now they're saying, well, if everybody just wears masks, if everybody just wears masks, everything will be fine. Well, no, everybody shouldn't stay at home because we're finding out that people are dying because they're staying at home. What are they doing? Practicing. That's why they have practice after their name. You see a doctor, he's going to have practice after their name. They don't know. Guys, we know the word of God. This is a real virus. It is literally killing people. We know that. But we also know there has to be a one-world economy. So don't be surprised with what's happening. It's the bigger picture. Stay focused on Jesus. For all sake their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Don't get caught up. Vote. Register to vote. If you're not registered, register to vote. Vote. Do all of those things. But don't get caught up in it because God has a plan. But you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to be encouraged and strengthened so that when we go out into our mission field, we're serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. Whatever happens. Father, we thank you and praise you. And again, we pray for our leaders. We pray that you give them wisdom and we pray for our hearts as well, Father. Father, protect our hearts that we don't get caught up in the moment. That, that, we don't, that we forget what your word says. That these things must come to pass. It will be as it was in the days of Lot. It will be as it was in the days of Noah. Jesus said that's a guaranteed promise. It's grieving. Yet we know the rest of the story. Even as your word says that righteous Lot was vexed, was vexed with the culture that was around him. He was grieved. We are grieved with the culture that's around us, and that's good. That means we're, we're right with you. So, Father, keep us right with you. Keep us focused on the eternal things. 
Keep us focused on your word from Genesis to Revelation. Help us not to get caught up in politics or conspiracy theories or or whatever it is that the enemy will try to distract us from loving one another and discipling each other and, and moving on and becoming more like Jesus. Father, guard our hearts for any one of us, all of us, myself included. It's so easy to get caught up in these things. Help us, Father, to stay focused. And Lord, we pray as we go out into our mission field this week that we would be available for the believer as well as the unbeliever. That we would point them to the scriptures. That that Revelation 13, it is going to come to pass. The bigger picture, it's going to come to pass. That they need a savior. That what's going to happen is going to happen and they can't stop it per se. So do they know Jesus? Help us to be available wherever we might be to share the good news that you can have salvation, the free gift of salvation through Christ. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand? Thanks for coming out, guys. God bless you. If you need prayer, please come. We'd love to pray for you. Have a blessed week, guys. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.